God's word of gospel promise. Which view of prayer is the better one? Is peaceful adoration or assertive supplication the ultimate form of prayer? And that question assumes that the answer is completely either or, which is unlikely. Communion and Kingdom For help, we should turn first to the Psalms, the inspired prayer book of the Bible. And there we see that both experiences of prayer are well represented. There are psalms, such as Psalm 27, 63, 84, 131, and the long hallelujah of Psalms 146 through 150 that depict adoring communion with God. In Psalm 27, verse 4, David says that there is one primary thing he asks of the Lord in prayer, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. While David did in fact pray for other things, he means, at the very least, that nothing is better than to know the presence of God. Therefore, he says, O God, my soul thirsts for you. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, I will praise you. Psalm 63, verses 1, 2, and 3. When he adores God in his presence, he says, His soul is satisfied as with the richest of foods. See Psalm 63, verse 5. This is indeed communion with God. There are, however, even more psalms of complaint, of cries for help, and of calls for God to exercise His power in the world. There are also stark expressions of the experience of God's absence. Here we indeed see prayer as a struggle. Psalms 10, 13, 39, 42, 43, and 88 are just a very few examples. Psalm 10 begins asking why God stands far off and hides himself in times of trouble. Suddenly the author cries, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God, do not forget the helpless. Psalm 10, verse 12. Yet then he seems to speak almost to himself as well as to the Lord. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take to hand. You are the helper of the fatherless. Psalm 10, verse 14. The prayer ends with the psalmist bowing to God's timing and wisdom in all matters, yet still fiercely calling out for justice on the earth. This is the wrestling match of kingdom-centered prayer. The Psalter, then, affirms both the communion-seeking and kingdom-seeking kinds of prayer. Besides looking at the actual prayers of the Bible, we should consider also the Scripture's theology of prayer, the reasons in God and in our created nature that human beings are able to pray. We are told that Jesus Christ stands as our mediator, so that we, though undeserving in ourselves, can boldly approach God's throne and cry out for our needs to be met. See Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and chapter 7, verse 25. We are also told that God Himself dwells within us through the Spirit. See Romans chapter 8, verses 9, 10, and 11. And helps us to pray. See Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. So that even now by faith we may gaze and contemplate the glory of Christ. See 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Thus the Bible gives us theological support for both communion-centered and kingdom-centered prayer. 
A little reflection will show us that these two kinds of prayer are neither opposites nor even discrete categories. Adoring God is shot through with supplication. To praise God is to pray, Hallowed be thy name, to ask him to show the world his glory so that all would honor him as God. Yet, just as adoration contains supplication, so seeking God's kingdom must include prayer to know God himself. The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In this famous sentence, we see reflected both kingdom prayer and communion prayer. Those two things, glorifying God and enjoying God, do not always coincide in this life, but in the end, they must be the same thing. We may pray for the coming of God's kingdom, but if we don't enjoy God's